Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm um, had a little tornado tornadic activity last night. We, I, my wife got all uptight. It's like we're all running. She wants everyone to run to the basement. I want to be on the porch watching <laughs> the weather, and it almost turned into a marital fight. <laughs> but it did not. I thought when it was all said and done, I thought that you know you ever had a situation with your wife where it's like you exchange a few harsh words and some looks, and then there's a break in between when you can talk about it and you're like, okay, is is she going to be pissed here? Am I in trouble? How's this going to go down? So I thought after the tornado we might that it was going to slip into a, into a dispute, but it didn't. She was actually worried that it was going to slip into a dispute. Well, I <laughs> I lived in Kansas for how old am I? For, <laughs> I'm 48 years. I've never seen a tornado, okay? If we're in a tornado warning, I'm going to be on the front porch until the point in which I'm, I feel scared. I'm not going to just run and, I mean, come on. Yeah. And it sounded so cool. It, we did, it, it was, I mean, we were in in right the center of, it's probably only 10, 10 miles from us, I imagine. But, I mean, from if you get a, a tornado 10 miles from you, the, the, the sound and the wind and everything is cool. And it's right at that dark point where the lightning would go off and you could see the cool clouds and stuff. It was awesome. But, yeah, it was tense there for a while because she wanted everyone in the basement. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we get tornadoes around here, too, in Indiana. Um, but uh, I've, I've, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever seen one either um, that's touched down. We've had them, like, right outside of our town. Um, I remember when we were kids, uh, we had a bad storm come through. And it took the neighbor's trampoline and put it on their roof. Mm. And then uh, maybe the scaredest I've ever been, I was in high school or junior high. I was I think I was in junior high and uh, a storm was coming through. And it's like one thing when you can see the outside, but like we couldn't see the outside. And we we're all they made us all go in like the hallways and crouch on the floor and like lean into the wall. And the wind was blowing so crazy that the doors were opening and slamming, opening and slamming. Mm-hmm. And so, like, but we had no idea what's going on. That's I think that's makes it worse. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I'd love to see one. I, I've always I've, I've said this for years. And I was like, if I don't see one at some point, I'm going to have to do storm chasing because <laughs> I want to see a tornado. I don't know. I think you can actually like pay to do that, or I probably just try to do it myself. I mean, can't be that hard. But and I don't know if you know this or not. I mean, I'm in the middle of Tornado Alley, and actually. Kansas and Oklahoma, there's a little section of it that has the most, it's like per per square mile area or whatever, the most tornadoes per year of any location on the entire planet, mm. which is pretty awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. So when people come to Kansas and, and I talk, I meet them, a couple things. Number one, their expectation of what it's going to look like doesn't match what it looks like because there's actually more hills. But the, 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 And they're going to say something about Wizard of Oz probably, but after that, it's going to be talking about tornadoes. It's just a given, especially people that come in from like that I talked to from California and stuff. Because a lot of places in California, they don't even have lightning. Like I had a buddy that lived with me in summer to play baseball, and he had never even seen lightning before. So oh, anytime man. we had a thunderstorm, lightning storm, he he was like just in awe of it. So it's, that's crazy. We take for granted how cool that weather is to <laughs> look at and watch. Yeah, I think uh, we get the the ability to do that because we don't have to live out in it anymore. We have our homes and our structures, but. A hundred yeah. years ago, man, <laughs> I don't think you'd be taking that for granted. You'd be uh, glad to seek some shelter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've never seen one, but I have seen many a time where they've rolled through um, hedgerows, tree rows and stuff. And, and and one in particular out by the Kansas River, you could go and see it. And it was this huge section where the tornado had gone through and all the trees were just like taken off halfway up. And it just looked like 
it, it looked like uh, mortar shells had gone off everywhere. It was crazy. You could see it just this destruction line, and it was really impressive. It was yeah. really impressive. Awesome. You know, going back to your uh, your marital dispute or marital argument, you're, you're mm-hmm. just seeing it about to simmer. I've heard the way to solve that is you just go slap the person that's <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, done something offensive. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> There's your uh, there's your <laughs> hot take on that one. I think I'm going to pass on that. You're going uh, to take a while to recover from something like that. <laughs> My wife did pick up and throw a trash can at me one time. Like <laughs> she was so pissed. I didn't even hardly do anything. She just went unhinged for a second. Pick up, picked up a trash can. It was like a big metal one, like the kind you step on and open the lid. <laughs> she chucked it at me. I don't remember what I had done, but probably, I wasn't very pleased. Probably deserved. I imagine. I imagine I said something stupid. <laughs> yeah. But did you uh, did you see um, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock? I didn't see it live, but uh, it was blown up on social media right after it happened. And um, right when we got into bed, we were on our phones and stuff, and we were eating up social media, <laughs> checking it out and everything. And I've actually been really – in. Uh, taken by that whole event more so than I should be. Yeah, that's, that's probably the true. It is kind of funny how everybody gets into that and as their, their takes on it and all that. But I mean, I think it's completely ridiculous to be honest. What, what specifically what, uh, that, that he just went up there and slapped somebody in the face and oh, yeah. in front of millions of people. And there's zero repercussion besides the, the whole internet making fun of him for the rest of his life. I totally agree. I, and what I'm going to say is so stupid because I never, ever get wrapped up into pop culture at all. I just don't. But, I mean, Will Smith, you know, I mean, he's a, always seemed like such a likable guy, a yeah. cool guy yeah. from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, clear on through his movies. He just seemed like a really nice, cool guy. Now, that's my perception is, is a likable guy. And then you have the whole thing where his wife cheats on him and convinces him to have an open marriage and basically emasculates him on national TV with that one-on-one conversation. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yep. Uh-huh. And from what I had gathered, he was pretty crushed by that whole deal. And now, uh, you know, you've got this event. I see him. I feel really sorry for him in a way of like, I feel like he's got to be emotionally broken to, to do that. That joke was so mild. I mean, it was such a mild joke. It was nothing. So he obviously is going through a lot emotionally. And we've all had times in our life where you snap and just do something really stupid. And then when you're done, you're like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe that I behaved that way. And I'm sure that's how he is. So what he did was ridiculous. But I I feel sorry for him, what he's feeling and going through right now. He's got it's he's got to be. Yeah, in a I, lot of turmoil. Yeah, I felt sorry. <laughs> I, I felt sorry for him before that, um, but yeah, yeah, it it is. It's it's, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. I think she's. A, <laughs> I think she's a complete turd. Well. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I okay, you, yeah, you're, you're comfortable with your wife sleeping with another man. That's okay, but don't you dare joke about her hair. <laughs> I mean, yep. what are the standards on that? I mean, I, oh yeah. How does that make? I, I don't. I just don't think any man can be okay with like, yeah, yeah, honey, you can go sleep with other guys. I think you can't inside. I just don't believe that one in a billion men can actually handle that. Yep. And yep. that's what she's asked of him. I think that she. I, I just can't. I think she's a complete piece of trash. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, definitely agree on all that. Um, but yeah, let's go. Let's go ahead. I don't know how to close this one off, except for it's, uh, yeah, it's it's stupid. So, um, but yeah, today's topic for the podcast is we got a Q and A, and uh, those are actually some of my favorite podcasts because we get to kind of take it easy and just talk about duck hunting and answer people's questions from the Fellowship of the Duck Gun Group. Um, guys, if you haven't joined over there, jump over there on Facebook. Just look us up in the groups. It's growing all the time. Um, and, yeah, that's where we drop all these Q&As that we do. And we do it, what, you know, four times a year or something like that? Yeah, something like that. It's usually when we uh, we don't know what to have the podcast topic on. We're like, well, this one always works. Drop. And they're fun. Yeah, for sure. 
So um, with that being said, let's get a quick word from our partners and then we'll jump right into it. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to OnX. Uh, OnX is the app for hunters. Um, you're able to see boundary lines for private land and public land. Um, you're able to see tax information. You click on someone's property um, and it gives you their tax information. Right now, actually, I'm, I'm, uh, I am pinning my turkey spots and I'm going to make a run to uh, go to different landowners, try to pick up some more turkey spots this year. And it's super simple. You click on their property, tells you their tax information. You drive to their house. You knock on the door, probably get a no, but maybe you get a yes. And it's just a numbers game. Eventually, you're going to get a yes, and then you're going to have a better chance of getting turkeys, better chance of getting your ducks, geese, all that good stuff. So check them out, guys, on X, on the web, on Android, and Apple as well. Andrew and I saw a nice, big, fat Tom turkey four miles from my house on the way to train Georgia yesterday. So I was actually on on X day looking at land ownership. If I could get that land on it, I might actually go after that bird. Cause it's so close to my house. Yeah. I'm actually you can probably it. hear him gobble if you get up early enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, I went my entire life without wearing hearing protection. And when we started working with Tetra, I went through a, they make you go through a series of tests to check your hearing and everything. And they fit the product for you personally. And it came back that I have aggressive hearing loss because I've done so much hunting without, without earplugs. I made a conscious decision as a foolish 20 year old. Hey, I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I want to hear out here. And now I struggle to hear things. I do guys. You have to be protecting your ears. And when I put the Tetra in, once it's in and I'm hunting, I don't ever even think about it. You, want, you don't even want to think about it when it's in your ear. You can hear everything. You can talk. But it, it it cuts down on those loud noises that are going to your ears, calling, shot, everything. It's Tetra. Check them out. It, it is a fantastic product that you have got to start using. Save those ears. You have to wear protection, guys. Awesome. Also like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks. Guys, Motion Ducks is the jerk rig on steroids. Um, Ellie and I both use the ultimate spreader. It combines two of the spreaders together. You got seven ducks on the water spread out with the poles um, going out from the central hub. Um, it puts lots of ripples through your set, and it's perfect for those no-win days. It is a must for those wary birds, and especially on those no-win days. Ellie and I have both gone to smaller spreads when there's no wind so that you get ripples all through your decoys. We've both seen it firsthand and know that there's a lot of issue with having glass-like water. Um, so Motion Ducks has been our perfect solution for that. So check them out, guys. Uh, use code DUCKGUN2020 over there for 10% off on your order with Motion Ducks. And as you're looking for new equipment for next season, check out the Banded line of equipment avery and ghg those are three companies that are all under the same umbrella so when you're out looking through rogers or wherever check out those banded products or you can go to banded.com and all of your hunting needs are right there we've been using this this for these products for about three years now and on air off air jordan and i have nothing but good things to say about those products banded avery ghg awesome all righty let's go ahead oh um hold that also, guys, make sure you check out our Patreon over there. We combine it with Freelance Hunt Stats. Uh, it's a project me and Elliot have been working on, bringing um, all of your journaling and uh, tracking your hunts and leaderboards that we compete, you know, friendly competition with all the other duck hunters on there um, at Freelance Hunt Stats. Um, but that's combined with our Patreon. You jump over there to Patreon if you get a membership with us. Um, at the lowest tier, you'll get that hunt stats for free as well. Um, but along with that, guys, over on Patreon, Elliot and I are both dropping a video a week, new content. Um, we got hunts coming out, all all the good stuff that we've been saving up. So we've already been doing it for a week. So make sure you jump over there, guys, and check us out. Uh, the Patreon is Patreon slash Freelance Duck Hunting. Alrighty. Let's go ahead and hit up the Q&A. Sound good, Elliot? Yep. Have you looked at all of the questions? I was peeking at it a little bit. I have just kind of peeked at it a little bit. All I've seen is that Matt's kind of blown it up. I think he's, yeah. uh, he's, feeling, he's, I think he's feeling upset. He hasn't got as much airtime recently. But 
I know. He's like, hey, they, I haven't been made fun of for a while. Um, here we go. Yeah. All right. So In my house, we call that play in the dozens. Play in the just, dozens? Yeah. a dozen. It's like a dozen mean things to say about someone. It's called play in the dozens. I play the dozens on my daughter daily. <laughs> I don't think I get it, but... <laughs> I don't know. It was in this Bill Cosby book where I, that's where I got it from. Not huh. a big Bill Cosby fan, but he, at one point in time, he actually had a series of books that were decent for kids. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, Matt's playing the dozen then. <laughs> playing the dozens. All right. So first question we got, we're just gonna, I'm just going to buzz through some of Matt's, but because apparently he, he jumped on. <laughs> quick. But why is snow goose hunting not good enough for you? And I think, uh, I think we, we talked about That's this. To you. We talked about this on the last the last podcast, which isn't out yet, so we can't fault Matt um, for not tuning in. But uh, uh, it's just, I don't have them around me, um, and they're just not as cool as ducks. So that's all. If they yeah, were, we, around, talked, we talked pretty extensively about that, yeah. um, which you guys would have heard. By the time you're hearing this, you have heard that. Yep. And then when are you announcing the 30K race by Matt again? Well, Matt, um, I've already won two of three. You forcibly made me shake your hand when you were up 1,500 on the last at last bet, right after I stripped all the hairs from your nose. We got it on film, and I felt like I couldn't say no because there was so much pressure, and I felt, I felt a little bit like a jerk after just ripping all your <laughs> nose hairs out. He's up 1500 on me. He's like, shake my hand now. We're doing the 20K race. So here he is pressuring me again when he's in the lead. Significantly, <laughs> I might add. But I feel like I have nothing left to prove. We'll do the 30K race and I'd beat you again. So there's nothing left to prove. And next time I see you, I'm going to rip out all your chest hairs. So if for those of you wondering, that was the bet on the, the 20K race. With high spur with high prairie sportsmen. So that's hey guys, this is a good at. reason to go to the Facebook page group because someone put a, a picture up of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock, except Will Smith is Jordan's face and Chris Rock is Matt's face. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty hilarious. Nobody backs Jordan into a corner. <laughs> if they do, they get carried Love on it. their shoulder through the decoys. <laughs> <laughs> Body slammed over a band. <laughs> All right. Matt had a question for you, Elliot. Why doesn't Elliot turkey hunt? Well, I actually have an extensive background of turkey hunting. Most of it is unsuccessful. But at one point in time, fall hunting with bows for turkeys was one of my very favorite things to do. And so we did it a lot. But once I moved to this side of the state, it's a lot more woods. I don't have the ground. And I just don't have... For whatever reason, I don't have the desire. I don't know. They're not ducks. And ducks turn me into a different creature. There is nothing in my life that has the emotional and mo- and motivational effect that waterfowl has. And turkeys just don't. They just don't. So I shoot about a turkey every four or five years. Um, and I'm so we'll see. I don't know if I'll do it this year or not. I I'm, It's always kind of a maybe. And an if, and sometimes I go, and sometimes I don't. The last one I shot was right about five years ago. So it's about that time to go out and do it. But I don't know, it just it just doesn't affect me like like ducks do. Uh, at that time of the year, when when people are turkey hunting, I'd probably rather honestly go crappie fishing or just go to the marshes and wander around in the marshes. And I don't know. I, I, I find that odd, to be honest. I just do because it's yeah. just it's so it's such a similar feeling to me. Um, as far as like working in a big tom, mm-hmm. and like the adrenaline rush, and I don't know, and it's different. Well, no, yes, but. yes, but it's everything around that. It's it's that that when I'm in a field and there's a turkey coming and close to me, yeah, that emotion is awesome. It's just all the prep work around it that I'm not motivated to do. Um, I mean, I feel like I have to learn roost. And so what typically has happened around here is I'll go out turkey hunting. Um, I'll kind of have an idea where the roost is, but then I can only hunt weekends. So by the next time I get around, the roost isn't the same anymore. And these forest turkeys, when I moved up this part of the state, I, I turkey hunted every, every year, but it's a big forest around here. And when I grew up in the middle part of the state, it was crop fields, 
and trees along rivers and hedgerows. So they were very easy to locate, very easy to hunt. And these forest turkeys, I just haven't had the luck of being able to get on them. I get them gobbling all the time, but they never come to me. And I can't seem to get the roost located because it changes in the forest, it seems like. And it's just a different animal. And so I did a bunch of it when I moved to the side of the state. And I just kind of fizzled out on it. And I don't have any. I lost my private ground that I had um, from from my farmer. So just fizzled. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. All righty. Luke Haynes says, how early do you all get to your hunting spots for setup? Uh, well, he's got three questions. So we'll just tackle them one at a time. Um, and it just depends on how much we're setting up. If you got to. If you got to beat people there, if it's like a, it depends on how, how tired you get or how far in the season. Later in the season, I will find myself getting to spots later than early in the season. I mean, uh, duck opener here at our local opener this year. Um, I'm like, Ellie, I don't necessarily like to say, but I literally couldn't sleep. And I was scared to death someone was going to beat me to the spot. Um, and I told everybody to beat me at like 430 I was like in the marsh by like two o'clock by myself. <laughs> I didn't even tell anybody else. I just got to the spot. So uh, it really just, it just depends on a lot of things, but um, yeah. So it's hard to know, not knowing where you live and, and all that. So, um, but yeah, I just for me, I don't like being rushed and like trying to jam in shells, right. As birds are working in and getting set up, I'd rather be able to chill and have like time to spare even if I'm at a spot where I don't think I'm going to get beat or, or something along those lines. What do you think, Elliot? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It, it depends on a lot of variables. I will get there as early as I think I need to, to hold down the spot. So one of the places we went to this year, I was 95% sure no one else was hunting it. So we were slipping in there at the last second. Now I want, we weren't being rushed, but um, cause I'm like you, I don't like, like frantically, I want at least 15 minutes to sit there before shooting time, probably more like 30. But for us, we were going in pretty late. But there's other places where if I've got the X and I'm nervous someone's going to be there, I'm not going to give you the, the time because um, I don't want to broadcast that. But there is a time in the in the AM that I have that I feel like is the golden time where people don't go that early. Um, and I'm not talking about like opener where you're sleeping in there or anything like yep. that. I'm talking about... Time in, time out throughout the season, there's a certain early o'clock that if I've got it, if I'm pumped up and I think I've got a shot, a chance of really busting them, then I'm probably going pretty damn early just to make sure. Because I do, and also, do you have a plan B that's viable? Do you have a plan C that's viable? There's sometimes where I'm like, I got five spots that I like today. I don't, they're not maybe the X, but I've got five viable spots that if I hunt any of them, I'll be content with doing that and if that's the case then i might sit longer i will say as i'm getting closer to 50 this year for the first time i was starting to dread those early wake-ups not for that day but for the monday and the work week because if i get i do not do well at going to bed early the night before i do well at getting up early i don't go do well at going to bed early so a lot of times if i'm going on three or four hours of sleep or something then I'm fine that day. I'm not bad Sunday, but when I get to work on Monday, it starts hammering me. And so for the first time in my life, that was that Monday was starting to loom in my consciousness before like on Friday night. And so, which concerns me, but um, it just depends on when you need to be there. Get, get up when you need to go to not get beat. And if you're getting beat a lot, you're not going early enough. Yeah. Yeah. And one, I'll say one pro tip on this. Um, is if you think that people are going to be there, like, let's just put a, a, um, like a time in, like, if you're going to tell your buddies what time to be there, most people say like, a a round number, like they'll say like five o'clock or four o'clock, whatever it is. If I decide it's five o'clock or four o'clock, I'll be like, okay, let's be there at uh, three 45. That way we're there first instead of the four o'clock. And if I think people are going to be there at four 30, I'll say four 15. So just go at those 15 minute intervals 15 minutes ahead of when you think people are going to be there. And if you're the guy at the boat, I hate to say this because this is me and uh, try to even beat all your buddies just by a little bit. Cause it takes you a little bit longer than them throwing their stuff in the boat. So um, those are the and pro do tips. Do not be late. 
And that's a great tip. And do not be late. Yeah. We are not late water hunting. If, yeah. if you are told to be there at four, your ass better be there at four and probably a little bit early. If I say I'm going to be there at four, chances are I'm rolling in at 345. We are not late when it <laughs> comes to when we're going to meet. And it's just, it's not, it's not, it's not acceptable other than that rare instance. But, you know, because if you're, if I invite you three or four times and you got to be at my house at X o'clock and you're late three or four times, you're probably not going to get called again. Be on time. Yeah. All righty. Either that or I'll set the time earlier knowing you're going to be late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Devin says, any projects for the off season? Um, for me, I got the sailboat sitting in the driveway, ready to go. Uh, got some stuff, man. I man, I, I priced out stuff on the on the bus. It's like killer. So <laughs> I, I still got some stuff to finish up on the bus. Um, I want to build a blind somewhere. So yeah, I definitely got projects, and I'll probably end up having more than I can handle again this year. What you got, Elliot? I don't really. I mean, I need to organize my shed my duck space because it's awful. And for some reason I just can't get motivated to clean it up. But I, rather than that last year, we had tons of projects. I just don't have projects. I'm feeling pretty lazy right now when it comes to doing stuff. I'm sure that's just a phase I'm going through and it'll, it'll pop out of it, but I don't have a lot of big projects. I don't, I can't think of any honestly, which is fine with me. I mean, I have lots of, um, freelance duck hunting video projects. Those all my product projects are making videos related or business related in that sense, which is still waterfowl. But you know, like you've got all these projects. I don't really have any. I want to spread some millet around some places, and I've got a couple bags and have permission to do that. But other than that, I ain't got nothing really. Nice. All right, Adam ask. He asks. Um, what new products are you most excited to use <clears throat> this year? You got one, Elliot? You got a product you're excited mm. to use? I would like to move over to heavy, in December, um, goose spreads. And so I've been pricing on banded or greenhead gear, their goose floaters, because I would like to have about four dozen goose floaters. And when it comes to December, I got my buddy, um, Matt, and that's what he has done. And he's like, it's, he really feels like it's beneficial and I believe it. And so that's kind of the product that I've got my eye on is making that transition. And also I, I would like to, I'd like to overhaul all my duck decoys and my old ones. I want to, I guess this is a project. I'd like to paint them white for snow goose hunting, snow goose floaters, because I got a plan for snow goose season next year. Um, but the new product would definitely be the goose floaters going heavy goose floaters. Nice. I'm trying to think, man. I feel like there's not really any big, innovative new products that I'm going to be adding to what I already do. You know, I feel like my system and everything I got, I'm like good to go, you know. Um, but if something pops up, man, I'd be excited about it. But I, I can't think of anything right now that's new that's coming out. So, um, yeah, for me, I don't think there's any any new products that I'm excited about. <laughs> Hate to say that. Yeah, I'd like to try that um, banded panel blind. I'd like to get my hands on that still, which I had talked about getting. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't mind trying that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've been using panels more this last year. I like using the one for certain situations. Um, mm-hmm. Beats, beats uh, you know, as long as it's not windy and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. Uh, then the second part of his question is, um, what conservation efforts and clubs do you get involved with or volunteer with? Um, I currently don't volunteer with any. It's been a thought. I've thought about um, getting involved more. I mean, we've had we've had Delta on our podcast a few times um, in the past. You know, I go to Ducks Unlimited banquets. Um, but as far as, like, uh, really getting in, I know there's a lot of guys. I mean, they live breathing um, eat ducks unlimited and Delta and those guys are awesome. So, um, what do you think, Elliot? Yeah, I'm the same with you. I tend to be a little more tied in with Delta because I, I've gone to more Delta banquets and I have DU and Ben page and I ran social media for that goose contest that time. Um, so I love them both. And we've had John Devney, actually John Devney came, uh, I don't know if you guys somebody knows I'm a teacher, but John Devney from Delta came into my classroom and did a whole presentation, well, virtually to my students and everything. So I'm more closely tied to Delta, just 
not because I think that necessarily a better organization, but just the contacts that I've had have kind of led that direction. I've got a, you know, I have donated and become a member to Ducks Unlimited. I think I need to renew, but both are great organizations. And, and honestly, I know Matt talks about them a lot on his videos at the end. It's something that I have failed to do um, on my videos is talk about them. It's been, it's been a failure on, on my part because those deserve to be talked about at least from time to time on the videos. Yep. All right. Matt asked, have you guys built any wood duck boxes or hen houses? If no, why not? If yes, any success. Um, this is something I've played around with the idea with um, doing, especially out at the, the snake swamp where it's like, I mean, obviously these birds are finding natural trees to, to, uh, um, nesting and there's tons of wood ducks using it um, for nesting and I think it'd be an awesome spot to add some wood duck boxes and one I guess I'd, I uh, I you know this isn't a <laughs> I guess I haven't done the research to completely um, know how to effectively do it I know Thomas has done it in some of his videos um, <clears throat> Hoke Outdoors for those of you who don't know who Thomas is but um, yeah that's something I definitely plan to do in the future, um, actually, I'd plan to do it this year, but now that I'm thinking of it, I'm probably missed the the point um, where you can start putting them out. But I'm not 100 percent sure, so I probably just just need to get them out there. I don't have any private land at all, and I don't think you're allowed to just go doing that stuff on on public. And I don't have any access to any private ground whatsoever, so I've never done that. Now would be why. Elliot, how is your HRC training going? Uh, I'm I'm not training as much during the week as I should. I have we had that really. I was I was on it, and then the, we had a, a bunch of snow come in, and so we've trained two out of the last what four days, and I'm working on pattern blinds with her. But I feel like I feel like she's a long way from where I want her to be before I'm I, before I have her in HRC, but. It's it's going fine. I'm still a member of the HRC club here, and I plan to be involved in that. I I just feel like to fine tune her is harder than I expected it to. There's so many intricacies they have in this HRC stuff as far as how exactly they're lining and and they want you to just fine tune these dogs to a level. I'm just honestly not even that motivated to do because. She does everything in the field right now I want her to do, including blinds and steady and everything. So it's like I'm fine-tuning stuff now, training her for waterfowl hunting. So um, I'm still heading that direction. Um, I plan on I plan on being in an HRC event this this summer, but she's got quite a ways to go as far as getting her where I want her to be for it. All right. Um, let's go ahead and uh, take some of these every other Elliot. Okay. So... Uh, when you go kayak duck hunting, have you ever hauled a jet sled with you? And if so, uh, was it a was it pro or cons? Um, go, ahead. I'll let you take this one, Elliot. There, it's all pro and no cons. Um, well, the one con <laughs> I would say is I hauled in a a frame um, behind a kayak, and the wind was blowing about twenty twenty five miles an hour, and coming back from the hunt, I was going straight into the wind and I couldn't do it. It was, I literally was like paddling and not moving any ground at all. But other than that, a jet sled behind a kayak, there's no, there's no cons other than that type of weight. If you're just talking decoys and light stuff, absolutely. That's what you want to do. And we've done it many, many times. And I would suggest it to anybody. It's a, it really helps. Even with the H12, there's quite a bit of cargo space in the H12, but not as much as, as I want there to be. So if we're kayaking in, we almost always have a jet sled. Yeah, good question, Marco. Uh, Benjamin asks, "What is the worst part? Uh, what is the worst part of recording your hunts and putting them out to the public?" Um, the worst part is uh, probably putting out some of your failures. Sometimes it, <laughs> people just uh, just the perspective on that. I mean, not every hunt's going to be sun, sunshine and roses. I mean, we have. Some awesome hunts. We have some hunts that aren't as great, um, and that's just part of hunting. If if you don't, you know, I'd like to hunt where you're at, Matt. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and then the second part. This is for you, Elliot. Uh, he said, also, uh, will we get more Elliot and Georgie training videos? 
Yes, there will be some. I'm not heavily motivated to put those videos out. They don't do very well. Um, and when I feel like making them, I'll make them. I don't have them on any kind of schedule. And, and t- I'll probably m- I'll make another one. I move out of pattern blinds, cause, which is going to be a while, because I just right now what I'm working with her on is going 150, 200 yards straight every place that I send her. So that's going to be a while. I feel like we're going to sit on pattern blinds for at least the next month. But after I switch out of that, I imagine I'll update YouTube with what I'm doing on that, but there's no set schedule. And when the HRC, that will certainly all that will be documented. Um, and that, that video probably won't be until August, but so yeah, keep watching. Okay. And Jason asks, is there a flowers collective hunt in the works for the upcoming season? If so, what are the chances that Jordan ruins it again? <laughs> well, <laughs> man, throwing salt in the the wound. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had surgery, um, but yeah, I'm sure he's joking on that. Um, but there is nothing in the works right now. So, and I don't know if there will or if there will not be. So currently, there's nothing planned right now. So we'll see. Time will tell. All right, uh, Michael Johnson says, new to hunting public land, what is the best way to utilize the maps available online to start scouting for your season? Having no scouting experience whatsoever, I'll be hunting in North Texas area for reference. All right, Elliot, this one's you. Man, I could go on for 45 minutes on this yeah, one. That's a whole Michael, podcast I first topic. Say, yeah. In fact, Jordan and I have done an entire podcast on this top one topic and it's on patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. It's at the $10 tier where we have a whole bunch of, um, what, what do we call that? Um, I forget what we entitled uh, that. It's like duck hunting 101. Just yeah. Like duck hunting 101. We have like seven, um, pod video podcasts about all different topics. And we went off on this topic. So I'll try to make it cliff notes on it. Pick the area that you look on the state site, look at the, some areas closest to you. Um, Pick the area you want to focus on, get the state information on that area and learn where all of the marshes are and get to learn it on that. Then get on either on X or Google Earth and search and search and search. Spend lots and lots and lots and lots of time on those mapping system. Make some pins or some marks to where you want to get feet on the ground and go out and get feet on the ground. And now's a great time to do it. Um, of course, he's in Texas, so I don't know if all of their ducks are going north Texas. They probably still have some teal and stuff down there. Get out right now, see what the ducks are using. Get learning, learn, 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 and go, 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 go until you feel like you really have a good idea of the area. And then when fall hits, focus on a couple places. If you're having success with those places, keep on them. If not, venture out to other places. It's going to, you know, if it's a big place, it's going to take three, four years to really, really learn it. But you just got to, you you can't. You, if you're motivated to do it, you need to spend time with this. It's it's not something that you just glance at. You can glance at and go, but with me, I get obsessed about that kind of stuff, and I'd just be staring at maps all the time and going out all the time and learning these places, and that's what you need to do. Definitely. Um, next question we got, Samantha says, when scouting in the spring, what are you looking for? Um, so Elliot definitely hit up some of that on what he was talking about there just for public land areas. Um, but you know, with, with spring, obviously you're looking for where the birds are, where, where places they generally use are, but I feel like nothing really beats fall scouting compared to to spring, but I do love to get out in places and just try to find different, different areas to hunt. Um, but birds patterns definitely change from spring to fall. So you just kind of do your best in the spring and then really, where you nail down your spots is actually just being out there in the areas and, and, and hunting it. So um, if I'm trying to find new spots in the spring or trying to get new permission, I'll go off of places that I know are successful from the fall and places that are generally close. I'm like, Oh, this area has a lot of birds and this, um, this lake or refuge or pond, if you're doing private is right next to somewhere else. I know that holds birds, I'll mark it. I'll go talk to the landowner and try to get new per- permission that way. But, you know, um, yeah, like I said, your best is still going to be figuring out in the fall. All right. And then Ben says, will you ever go on tour, travel the country and freelance hunt pub- uh, popular public hunting areas? 
I like hope so. My wife is a um, children's book illustrator, and she she would be happy to do that with me if we can ever free up enough finances and time to do it. In fact, that's a dream that we both have of doing a lot more traveling, and she does her work, and and I hunt. So I certainly hope that I have a time in my life that I'm able to do that. Unfortunately, it's not right now. I can't. I just can't hardly get out of my state. I just have too many. Too many work commitments and, you know, the children are starting to graduate high school. So we're getting hopefully close to that direction. But I hope so. But as of now, no. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be almost every duck hunter's dream um, is to do that. That's awesome. Um, Same with you. Same with you. I wish I could do it. But where I'm at with kids, especially, I mean, I got a a one-year-old and a four-year-old. And it's just like, I think at one point I thought maybe I'd be doing it. But now I'm like, you know what? I just got to do what I can and, uh, you know, not overdo it even. So, um, but, you know, we're still going to get out and do our trips and do our, we don't live in in Kansas or Nebraska or or wherever where it's just, it's worth making trips out to places sometimes if you can. Uh, That's the best way to put it. Yeah. I, I would like to do a whole season of like YouTube videos and vlogging the travels and go and, you know, hunt with people that are subscribers and, and not just piggyback them, but have that be like the, like what I'm doing. It's like, I got this in from this guy and I'm going here and, and show the whole process through video um, and social media. I would love to do that. That would be so cool. Yeah. All right. So next question, this one's actually uh it's my turn, but it's towards you. So I'll still answer, answer it, but it says, Blake says, why does Elliot hate Southern duck hunters? So, cause they won't stay Southern. If they stayed Southern, we wouldn't have an issue. I think but every time I go to a parking lot, it's Southern tags. Keep yourself in the South. I'll keep myself in my free state and we're fine. Yeah. I think it comes down to that. Like the Southern States, Kansas is like the new Mississippi or Louisiana you know, a lot of people, I don't even know if there's like in people's minds, not in reality. Uh, we've got the least amount of public land of any state in the lower 48. Yeah. You got a lot of waterfowl public land. Let's put it that way. It's not uh it's not as simple as that. It's not as glory as what they make it. Do you see the duck lure in Kansas? They were talking about it. Like it's the Holy grail Mecca. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's a good state. It's a if, good waterfowl. If state. You have it. It's not what people You've been here. How many times have you been here? It's not the, I mean, you see my numbers. Okay. My average numbers versus yours versus Matt's versus Titus's versus Thomas's. There's no like huge discrepancy where I'm just like three ducks of hunt more than everyone else. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty uniform, you know, versus California and Virginia. And it's a little above yours because your spot of Indiana is really difficult. But Matt's Kansas is not the Mecca that it's being portrayed to be. And you know that you've been here. It's a great state and you can have great hunts here, I would but s- it's not, it's not the Holy grail. Mm. I, I wouldn't say it's the Holy grail, but it's, I mean, I know you don't want to, I, I know I don't want to, um, how many amount of limits you shot in Kansas? I've also been, I've, I've also been somewhat unlucky because I know other people who've gone out there and shot a lot of, of really I'm good just hunts. saying, I'm just saying it's, it's it's a great waterfowl state. It's not as great as media is portraying it to be. That's what I'm saying. It just it's a the, lot of rough days. The potential the for it is the the ceiling. The ceiling for Kansas compared yes. to other places is just the it's just it's, we're not even the problem is it's not even Kansas. I don't know why Kansas is um kind of pushed out there above the other it's states. It's a central flyway. Well, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's like Oklahoma is just as good as Kansas. It's better. Yep. Oklahoma shoots more ducks per hunt average than Kansas does. If you look at those numbers that we we had that one guy on that did the hip information, they shoot more ducks per hunter in Oklahoma. But you don't ever hear people well it depends. About talking about if Oklahoma just, like they talk about Kansas. If you chopped off the west side of Kansas, it would bring your numbers way up um, because the nobody far shoots. west side. I don't know how much people even hunt out there. And when people do hunt out there, they're going to places where they can. They're going to Cedar Bluff. They're going to. They're going to places that actually have birds, but yeah. there's not that much hunting that goes on out there except those select places. Yeah, so the other part of Kansas, the central to the eastern side, is uh, – I, I mean I think Kansas is a special place. 
I mean, but the thing is, it gets pushed out there more than the other states when it's just comparable with Nebraska and mm-hmm. Oklahoma. You know, yeah. it, it maybe doesn't even get it, it's not as popular as talked about as North Dakota, but like, yeah, the Central Flyway, there's something special about it. All the states. Yeah. And if you live in somewhere like Indiana or really just the Mississippi Flyway or the Atlantic Flyway, yeah, it's a big difference. Yeah. And I will say this about Southern Hunters. In all reality, I have some of my best hunting friends are from the South. Alabama, Arkansas. I know, you know, I worked with the Yak Gear guys from Texas. And I have no problem with people. Every, every male hunter Every hunter, I've never met a female hunter from there, but every hunter from the South I've ever met, Todd Williams, I have genuinely liked. Why do you have to specify? Why do you have to specify male? I just, I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) It just came out that way because I'm thinking of like, I I have not interacted with Southern women. I've interacted with Southern men. Also, Texas is not. The men I have met, the men I have met from the South genuinely are fantastic human beings. Does anyone consider Texas the South? I don't think anyone – I get it. It's South on the map, but that's not a Southern state. Uh, I don't know. It's South of you, but it's not a It's a little different. Yeah, it's a little – yeah. Where were they in the Civil War? Were they – I think there was a lot of pro-slavery in the Civil War. I consider anything that was pro-slavery in the Civil War to be the South is how I view it. But then Missouri was pro-slavery, and I wouldn't call them the South. So I guess there are some (laughs) – well, there's yeah, yeah, we're getting way off topic, but like the South is like yeah. Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Arkansas, Arkansas, yeah, yeah. All right. So I man to man, I don't have I don't have any issue with with guys from the South. It's fun to joke around about, and it's fun to kind of it's if anybody complains, it's fun but, to give them a hard time. And the South has right, been right. complaining about ducks because they don't yeah. get the mallards. So, yeah. and I promise you, Elliot would be complaining if he wasn't getting mallard so there's probably there's not a lot of difference <laughs> but i've been on a roll <laughs> last five years have been oh yeah phenomenal all right dane fuller says new to this stuff is this a live event or does it drop later so dane uh hopefully you're listening to this now we'll post it in the fellowship make sure you guys see it but yeah we post these um on the podcast they're not live um right now they're not live. So. And Dane is the newest patron over at Patreon. He's our newest one. Nice. Great guy. All righty. And then Scott Hill says, is Matt Lee done waterfowl hunting now that he has a woman in his life? Here we go. I think that... Uh, Give a background. Give a little background to that. Okay. So he, Matt is uh, single. He's been single. Um, I let it spill. And that is the runner of the high praise sportsman YouTube challenges. For those of you that don't yeah. know. Yeah. And he's, he's been on the losing streak lately in life with losing the 10 K challenge and the 20 K challenge. This has been a rough go of it for him. And then I let it slip. I didn't know it was a secret, but I let it slip that he has a Tinder account. And so there was a whole thread about that in the fellowship. Um, <laughs> didn't know it was a secret, but it, you know, apparently it, it panned out for him. Um, because on Facebook he announced that he is engaged, right? Is that no? I'm just kidding. It was a <laughs> in a relationship with. She's cute. I'll say she's really cute. Yeah, I I creep on her profile. You heard that because that picture of her is like, wow, he, she's way better looking than he is handsome. So, <laughs> so you think she's out of his league? <laughs> no, I think Matt's a. I think Matt's a great guy. I think he's actually a pretty handsome guy when he's not wearing a mustache. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so I was creeping on her Facebook profile. I was like, wow, she's, she is, she's really cute. So it, I'm like, yeah, his hunting's over. Do you think <laughs> that uh, the mustache will come back while he's still dating her? That's the real question. I, you know what? I'm going to send her a message on Facebook and just be like, can you please work from the background to keep that filthy little stash off his face? He looks really cool in a beard. I think he's a really cool looking guy in a beard, but that I just am not a mustache kind of guy and I don't care for mustaches and I'm hoping to get her on my side to keep that thing off his face. Yeah. Yeah. My prediction is that he uh, has less vacation days to use during season. And um, he doesn't even get close to touching his 83 days filled this year. Next year. That's my prediction. So Jordan, I I think that we need to set up a betting pool on this and we need to set an over and under. And so he hunted, 
if he continues in a serious relationship, there is no way in hell he's not in three days next year. There's no way. Yeah. It's not, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And so we need to set an over and under. So let's not do it right now. But we need to think about, I'm, well, I'll, I'll give you what my thoughts are. I think 55 would be, eh. Well, yeah, uh, 60. I think 60 would be the over under for him. Yeah. So if he is 83 last year. Yeah. So I, for that was my first thought is like 60 would be the over and under. It's like, do we think he's going to hunt more than 60 days or less than 60 days? If he's in a committed relationship with a girl, that's obviously way too good looking for. Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's probably a fair number right there. Yeah. I will get, I'm going right, to guys <laughs> over and under set at 60. Be thinking about. Whether you want to bet on the over, we, just, or the we under. need to have everybody put just a number. We'll make a thread, put a number, and like the winner gets uh, a free McFlurry. I don't even know <laughs> free stash hair. <laughs> yeah. That Matt'll send him in an envelope. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm gonna guess a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on from this one. Um, would you but would you go over and under on that sixty number? What would be your bet? I think that sixty is probably about spot on. To be honest, I'm trying to think. I mean, I have a wife and kids, and that's and my season's uh, just a little bit shorter than his, and I end up going probably a little bit less than that. So um, I'm usually in the high fifties. So yeah, yeah, he'd probably go over. He'd still go over. I think if he's in a Really, it depends partially on how serious relation you get. So if it gets really serious, I'm going on the under on that. I think. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Alrighty, Mike says, "Do you ever hunt alone, or do you always hunt with somebody else?" That's the first one. Um, and I'll I'll take the first one. And let you take the second one. I can't remember okay. which order we're in anymore, but. Um, yeah, man, I love solo hunts, um, but I have so many buddies now, which is great. Like I've networked over the last few years and kept adding more and more people I hunt with. Um, and I got like, it's like, I got three groups pretty much if I want to split it up, maybe even four. Um, my problem is I, (laughs) uh, it's, I feel like it's hard to find people who, uh, want to hunt as avidly as I do. Maybe it's because Indiana, um, (laughs) isn't as good as Kansas. But because uh, everybody in Kansas hunts as much as you, right? The average is five hunts a season. <laughs> so, right. so um, but no, I mean, I love hunting. I got off topic there. We've been doing that all night. I love hunting by myself, me and my dog. I don't know if I would hunt without a dog solo. I mean, Matt does it 83 times a year. So I guess some people are up for it. But there's nothing wrong. I feel like that's where you learn the most. If you solo hunt because you're responsible for your hide, you're responsible for your decoys, you're responsible for the calling of the birds in, um, and nobody gets to make the the changes for you. So you can do it. Um, even if it's a stupid idea, nobody's going to stop you, and you'll learn pretty quick. So uh, if you're a new hunter, you know that then that's great, or a learning hunter. Even if you're an old-timer, you've been doing it for a while, I still think there's benefits to it being out there. Um, just enjoying it. You know, if it comes down to me hunting or not, I'll definitely hunt alone. Um, I, I will say that I used to be fearless and now I, I take more precautions when I hunt alone. So that's something to definitely think about. All right. Yeah. And I would just add into that a little bit. I went four or five times this last year by myself. And those are the times that I most deeply connect spiritually with God and with nature. Uh, it's just something about it that is just renewing to my soul. So it's, it's certainly a fun thing too. Oh yeah. Um, so my portion of the question was about, do you ever get tired of filming your hunts and just hunt without a camera? Um, I love filming my hunts. And when I started filming my hunts, it had nothing to do with YouTube. It was just because I wanted to. And then people started watching it and love, I love filming my hunts. There are a few out of the last seven years, I'm thinking that maybe I didn't film the hunt. I was with you where we laid on the ice, Jordan. And there's like one or two others out of, so I hunt about third times a year. So that's like 210 hunts. And I've probably not filmed three of them. 
Um, and but when I do get tired of filming, I make GoPro videos. So I normally have my big camera that I really love to use. But if I'm just sick of it and I just want to shoot, I set up a GoPro um, out in the decoys. I don't talk to the camera that much, and I just go about it that way. Um, but um, there are very, very few times that I personally get tired of filming and don't want to do it because when you're done hunting and you've had a great hunt and you get home, having that video to look at is so rewarding and fun that it's just, I want to do it. I want to do it. And I was thought Jordan and I were talking about this last weekend. If, if all of a sudden I couldn't monetize any videos on YouTube, I wouldn't change anything about what I do. I would continue to film every single, as much as I do now. Cause I just personally love it. Yep. Awesome. Um, and then Scott, Wright, Which I actually got to hunt with Scott, uh, this year. Um, he's a follower of the channel. In the podcast, and uh, cool dude, hunted with him. We got skunked though, so <laughs> that's how it goes sometimes. Um, when is Elliot? When is Elliot going to try the Indiana Challenge of waterfowl hunting? Um, he will probably never hunt in Indiana. That would be my guess. Um, but this year for our Patreon hunt giveaway, um, the most likely destination will be Michigan. So um, that's kind of what we're thinking, but that's in all. In the bus. In the bus, yeah. I should mention that. In the bus. If I, if I have not hunted, if I have not spent time in that bus by this time next year, it's a fail. That yeah. is top of my list for yeah. next year is to be in that bus, hanging out with you and hopefully the hunt giveaway guy, but if not, just you. And I want that experience. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. So that's the plan. That'll be the closest he probably ever. He maybe he'll fly into Indiana. He'll get to see it a little bit, and then we'll uh, I'll pick him up at the airport in the bus, and we'll head up to Michigan. So we'll see. That's probably uh, the closest he'll get to Indiana. All right, Bob asks, "What are some things y'all do as a thank you to landowners who let you hunt?" Well, I guess yeah, I have I to take this one because you don't privately yeah. hunt. <laughs> I don't privately hunt. He, uh, no. Elliot pays his taxes. <laughs> yeah. So um, for me, yeah, for public land uh, owners, if I can give them some meat, you know, that's that's uh, kind of like the easy one. Like if you're making a bunch of snack sticks or um, summer sausage, especially if you shot a deer and you got a lot of it, that kind of stuff. A lot of landowners appreciate that kind of stuff. If you have a really good spot you really like, um, you know, some people even lease. I currently don't lease anything. I honestly I wouldn't be opposed to it if it got me to lock down a spot. Um, but you know, I for you know, I'll give gift cards too. That's usually what I do. Um, and most of them are just overjoyed about that. So a gift card to you can ask them where their favorite restaurant is, or you can just take a guess with what's local and, and get them something nice. So um, I did that with one of my landowners this, this last year and said, Hey, uh, I, I want to get you a gift card. And he's like, Oh, you don't need to do that. I'm like, well, you don't need to let me hunt, you know? So it's just, I just want to say thank you. Um, and I'm like, so like, where do you guys like to eat? And he's like, steak. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> how about this restaurant? I said, a restaurant. he's like, yeah, we've never been there, but yeah. So then I got him a nice, a nice gift card and I need to stop by and give another one for this year. So, um, but yeah, that's a that's a fell safe thing to do to make sure those guys remember you. I'll say I, I think that it's uh, really beneficial to you to to stop in and talk to them at least a couple times a year. Talk to them before the season starts, maybe the weekend before, and then talk to them in, in the off season in the spring at minimum two times. Get their phone number, maybe text them a picture of your hunts, that kind of stuff. Um, just so they, you know, if you're giving them a gift card and all that, they're not going to forget you. They're going to remember you. If someone else comes and knocks on the door and you have a good relationship with them and the, you know, that's just going to go a long way to make sure that, uh, nothing happens. All right. And then Jay says, what is the best way to anchor a floating blind? I don't know if that's a shot at me or what, but yeah, it's not me. I've never made a blind like that floating blind. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the best way is. Whatever I did wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, Jordan's float half a mile or two miles away. <laughs> Jordan doesn't. He just lets them float away. Yeah. Mine's tied to a tree this year. If I lose that one, then uh, we're in trouble, which I need to get in there and check it out. 
All right. I'll let you take this one, Elliot. It's from uh, Tim Cochran. Tim Cochran. What is the best choke tube, barrel length, shot size, camo pattern, A-frame, waiter, and podcast combination for every gauge, make and model shotgun for ducks, geese, and armadillo mixed bag hunts? Tim, I have already written you a thesis that I've emailed to you answering all of those questions. It's probably 20 pages, so I have fun reading it. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Tim is a good friend that likes to cause trouble. Yep. And then this one's for you as well, because I feel like there's an inside joke to it. Matt Farmer says, how much will it take to name your next dog, Fred? Jordan, if I answer this question, <laughs> I will have an email in my inbox within the next five minutes. Oh, scolding, as, scolding me as soon as I said answering it, it clicked, this question. It's <laughs> like, I don't get the inside. I don't get the inside joke, but now I do. So. Yeah, um, so I I don't I don't watch and I don't know how that dog yeah. has or has not progressed. But I will say, if you, if you the don't, boy got a new. Dog. Oh yeah. yeah, if you if you don't get the inside joke, just goggle it. I mean, Google it. <laughs> Golden boy got a new chocolate lab. He named named it Stella. Is that like a princess name or something? Uh, well, the beer Stella Artois. Oh, I think okay. he and his dad love that beer. So. <laughs> Got it. That makes more sense. But it's a cute little thing, and he's super excited. But he he did he named it Stella. Nice. All righty. How would you set up a on geese in ten feet of water? Um, ten feet of water. So my only place that I can imagine this being, I guess, if you have a lake that's a really fa- fast drop off, usually geese don't like that, or maybe a river with some type of ice shelf or. Something, yeah, 10 feet is a lot. You'd have to have really, really long um, anchors for your or decoy rigs, you know. It's, so that's the only way I, I would know how to do it. You got any? Uh, it would never happen. I never would because I'm not about to go and rig 12-foot rigs for geese for one possible hunt. And I've never, I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, you just have to, you'd have to, at that point, you'd have to buy your own rigging stuff. I know people who have stuff set up for that. I think the Kevins do, and um, Devin does as well. So some of the guys around me that hunt lakes, I mean, we hunted our early season lake this year. It was really deep, and then we're hunting on a bog. So, I mean, it, it there is some different situations. So at that point, you have to buy your own rigging material um, and have really, really long lines. Um, and your decoy has to have somewhere where you can hook the line in so that you can put it out so far and hook the line in. So it's not just, you know, going way further than what you need. Um, that's the only way to do it. So you'd have to, I I don't know anybody that. And then I would assume you'd be in a boat blind without any type of natural cover around you. So though, just that whole idea seems bad from the start. Yeah. Well, if the birds are there, I mean, we have places where we do it uh, on the river. Or like I'm like I'm our early season spot. We're hunting on a bog, and it's really really deep in the water though. So, but we can get mm-hmm. up on a bog, and the mm-hmm. bog's like floating dirt, floating vegetation. Yeah, um, which I know you don't have those in Kansas. So, um, yeah. So they're, they're really it is not you know it's like ten percent of situations, maybe even less. So, yeah, I would just have a couple dozen if you really want to do it have a couple dozen decoys set aside because I wouldn't want to mess with those long rigs all season long. So I'd have one specially set up for those situations. And me personally, I don't have any. So, um, but the guys I go with have some set up for those type of situations. Yep. Alrighty. Well, that about wraps it up. That's all the questions. Let me do one last refresh. Matt asked if I'm going to get a pintail this year and um, probably not. No, for no lack of time. It's going to happen. It's it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they're for the last three or four seasons, somebody shot one with me. You know, it's like it's happened multiple times, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah. So, but I'll throw the question back at you, Matt. When are you ever going to shoot a band? Has he never shot a duck band? Well, he's got one that he got when he was a kid, but I I feel like it's, uh, you know, with an an asterisk next to it. I'm due a duck band. I shot, I think, like 2008, 2009, I shot Mallards back-to-back years with the band. After that, no one in any of my groups has shot a duck band. I've seen geese bands, but not a duck band. I haven't seen a duck band since 2008. Mm. Yep. Do. 
You're due. Mm-hmm. I've got at least one a season for the last three years. So it's crazy. I'll take it. Not duck bands, just yeah. bands in general. I've only got two duck bands. Yeah. yeah, I see a big distinction between goose bands and duck bands. I just feel like that there's so much easier to come by the goose bands. There's so many more of them, it seems like, to me, than duck. Yeah. It feels like everybody in Arkansas has a ton of duck bands, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think it depends where you live. And then, like, people in Minnesota have a ton of goose bands. Yeah. So... And then people in the central flyway, because there's just not very many people that band them, just don't have bands. Yeah, maybe true. Alrighty. Well, that about wraps it up. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of Duck Gun Chronicles. I am Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys on the next one.